Um, today, as we were saying earlier, this is the sermon we're going to talk about go and declare the gospel boldly. And the other way we kind of say it is usually we, we point to the banner over here, right? We say, go therefore and make disciples. And I'm sure if you have attended this church for the last three, four years, you can count <laughs> on both hands or maybe you can't count because it's happened so often. How many times we've either pointed to this banner or taught on the idea of the Great Commission and the importance of it, right? Uh, maybe even to the point you're just like, okay, we get it, right? We get it, you know? But whenever we were first uh, trying, like when David and I first kind of stepped into the pastoral roles here at the church, we were just kind of like just kicking around this idea of a mission statement or something that we can all get behind. And, you know, we, we landed on that because there is no human speech, human uh, way of bringing this together to encourage you all enough, to uh, persuade you enough, to embolden you enough to go and proclaim the gospel, live by the gospel, to worship, connect, row, go, any of those things. There's nothing that we as humans could have came up with that could have done that apart from just simply using what King Jesus had to say. So we stepped away from this idea of some vision statement to just simply say, what if our mission, our vision for this church was simply grounded in the Great Commission, something Jesus actually told us to do? And so that was kind of why we, we landed there, right? We landed on the Great Commission because of those things. And, you know, like I said, we've taught on it so many times that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, sitting here would kind of be like, okay, yeah, we get it. We understand like what we're supposed to go do. We go and we make disciples, right? Okay, we, we get that. We can even get to the why. Like, why do we do that? Well, because Jesus has all authority and he told us to, <laughs> right? So we could get that. So this morning, whenever I was kind of thinking through and praying through what to kind of teach on, I said, well, maybe I teach on the how. Like, so how do we go and do that? And I yeah, kind of debated that and um, just, I don't know, I didn't want to feel like this one, like this TED Talk kind of thing, like this is how you live your life or anything like that. But I also didn't want to get like too practical because there's so many different lanes on how missions can fall, you know? Uh, it can look very different. You know, there's, there's broad definitions for it for sure, but it can look differently. So I was kind of debating really where to take this morning's teachings. Uh, talking to the shepherds, uh, even at one point I text my wife, I, I might actually text you guys, this too. The, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard the song, um, 3.42 AM by Mercy Me. It, it wasn't one of their super popular. It wasn't like on the radio or anything like that. But uh, the entire song is about Bart, who's the lead singer, right? Having writer's block. And he has no idea what to write about. So he writes a song, says 3.42 AM. And it just keeps repeating the phrase over and over again. Lord, say what you want to say. Say what you want to say. And that's just kind of where I landed. After I just had the song popped in my head, I, I YouTubed it, I listened through it. I'm just like, yeah, that's where I'm at, Lord. Just say what you want to say. And after that, everything that we talked about on Friday, I went like just in a completely different direction scripturally. <laughs> I guess not completely, but I just went a different direction and wound up with what we're going to be preaching today. And the Spirit kind of led to this idea of, as we're talking about go and declare the gospel boldly, actually what I want to say is don't go which is kind of weird, right? When we're talking about go and declare the gospel boldly. And, you know, me as, you know, probably a lot of you would think of me as the mission guy, right? Go, you know, go do these mission things. Go on your mission trips and stuff like that, um, which is not how I define myself. But, um, and I would say, don't go in the mission sermon. 
So if you allow me to explain a little bit on what I mean by don't go is, I guess more specifically, I would say don't go yet. <laughs> maybe that's a better way to put it. Because I think we have a tendency to maybe look at maybe, maybe one of these missions, right? Or just mission trips in general. And you, you kind of fall on maybe one or two or uh, of these dangerous ideas that, you know, I'm going to go on this mission trip and I'm going to go do this, this servicey thing, or I'm going to go and you'll know, help with worship at this thing. I'm going to go feed orphans. I'm going to go do this thing, right? And then I'm going to come back with this idea of this is how the church should be. And this is how we should reach out to the world and all this other stuff. And this is how we should serve people, completely taking away anything about the gospel. Or you'll approach it potentially maybe in a selfish manner of because I am going and, you know, dipping soup at Salvation Army or I'm going and helping this person. Now, all of a sudden, I feel really good about myself or I have done such good things that there's no way God would not allow me into heaven. And both of those are dangerous. Because both of those are also claiming that either they don't need the gospel or you don't. So I'd say it again. Before you go, actually don't go. And let's talk a little bit more about the gospel. Because what we see in our phrase, right, go and teach the gospel or, or declare the gospel, depending on who's saying it from the stage, but go declare the gospel boldly is you have go and declare. And it's kind of like putting the cart before the horse if we don't understand how to boldly approach the gospel. <laughs> so that's where we're at. That's what we're going to teach on this morning. We're not going to talk about going at all. <laughs> we're going to talk about preparing. We're going to talk about the gospel and we're going to talk about where our boldness comes from. Okay. Is that okay? Can we go that route? Is that okay with everybody? Good, because that's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> all right, so first things first, let, let's talk about the gospel a little, okay? So you'll notice in the, in the chairs, if you haven't, we have extras, but we kind of have what looks like confetti, okay? These little slips of paper, okay? And uh, we're going to have it up here behind me uh, here as well. And what this is, is just kind of, uh, let's call it a guardrail for what us at Memorial and the Shepherds kind of came up with to just kind of define the gospel a little bit. Now, granted, like I said, with our mission statement, everything, as soon as you put some kind of human words to something scripturally, like it's already kind of incomplete, right? Uh, we just read through the entire Bible last year, front, cover to cover, right? And so we understood that the entire Bible is one unified narrative that points to Jesus, right. So if the entire Bible points to Jesus, if the entire Bible is actually the gospel, then obviously narrowing it down to like two sentences is somewhat incomplete. And I understand that. Okay, so we can, we can get there. Okay. But these little slips of paper and what I'm going to read to you guys is great guardrails of what we would consider the gospel. Okay, so let's read this real quick. Although we bring sin and death into the good world God created, the work of Jesus Christ rescues and restores all creation into an eternally right relationship with the Lord, secured by his Holy Spirit, bringing glory to the Lord and ceaseless joy to those who believe, just as he promised through Scripture. Okay? And realize maybe that's even a lot, so I'm not expecting you guys to like memorize it or necessarily, because 
That's why I gave you the slips of paper. So we're actually going to start today's sermon with the practical application, okay? So we are going to take that little slip of paper, all right, and you are going to save it. You're going to put it in your wallet. You're going to put it in your purse. You're going to put it in your front pocket, but don't leave it there because it'll go through the laundry, okay? You're going to put it in your sock, whatever it is, okay? And I don't want you to necessarily use this as some script that you're going to use or everything. Like I said, it's something that maybe, like, there's just no reason to be weird about it, okay? Whenever you are talking to other people about the gospel, if it comes up in conversations, like, hey, you know, our church actually provides this, this idea of what the gospel will be. Now, this is, and you can even say it, like, this may be somewhat incomplete, but this will give us at least something to talk about, right? And you kind of talk through it. It's like, see, look, this is what we say. Do you have questions? Can I help? Can we, can we, maybe we can open up the Bible and find where some of this is found and read it together. You know, it's a conversation piece. It's a guardrail. That's it. Okay. Because the gospel has to be the foundation before we can go and do anything. It has to be where it starts. You have to be able to understand when we say the gospel, what that means. It means that a perfectly good God came and created a good world that we should have domain over. And we broke it. He gave us everything, and we broke it. We decided that, yes, he defined everything as good, but that wasn't good enough for us, so we had to define good. So we took that power for ourselves because we wanted to make that definition, and when that, we broke it. Sin entered the world through our actions as human beings. Fast forward after just turmoil and hate and pain of the entire human race. Fast forward until the time that Jesus actually came down. The Son of God, who was there from the very beginning, came down, took on flesh, taught and preached to us on how to live in a new humanity and a new kingdom. But he didn't end there. He went all the way through to sacrifice himself for us, which would be the only way that our sins can truly be forgiven and cleansed. And even then, he didn't stop there. Three days later, right, he raised, was raised from the dead, so that way we and finally have eternal life and eternal relationship with God and one another in the kingdom. He defeated Satan, sin, and death. That's the gospel. And we have to start there. We have to start there. The next thing would be our boldness, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. And I'm, a, I'm kind of a definition person. It helps me, so maybe it helps you. Uh, so we kind of worked up this like little, little boldness definition. Again, maybe it's incomplete for you, but I hope it's helpful at least, all right? So boldness is the courage to act or speak fearlessly despite real or imagined dangers. And that's how we would understand maybe boldness like, like biblically, okay? And I, I think it's also worth mentioning that it says boldness is the courage to act or speak fearlessly. And I, I kind of mentioned this before, and I even debated if I was going to mention it this morning, but the, the difference between like fear and anxiety, okay? You guys understand that there's, there's a difference there, 
correct? So if I was walking through the woods and all of a sudden this huge grizzly bear stood up and started yelling or growling or whatever it is bears do, right? They, and he starts yelling at me, everything, and he comes down and starts running right at me, okay? All of a sudden, fight, fight or flight's going to kick in. But that's fear. There's a very real danger heading right toward me, right? That's very real danger, okay? That's fear. If I was walking downtown and, you know, just kind of walking down the sidewalk and there's this building with an alley behind it and all of a sudden I get it in my head that around that alley is a mugger that's going to, you know, get out and try to steal from me or do whatever, right? I don't have any proof of that, but for some reason I have that in my head. And it, it changes my, 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 my physical response, but also changes maybe how I'm proceeding. I may turn, I may go the other direction. It's a perceived danger. That's anxiety. Perceived danger as opposed to a real danger. Okay? That's kind of a, just a basic like psychological idea of how to think of the two. Okay? So whenever we are talking about being bold and courageous, okay, when we're talking biblically, most of the time when the Bible was declared, or sorry, when the gospel was declared in the New Testament, there was a real danger. <laughs> Right? They had fear of crucifixion. Woo, like I said, I got the bad stand. They had fear of crucifixion. They had fear of being beheaded. They had fear of all of these things. It was real. Now it's completely out of order. I have no idea what we're doing now. I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah, it sounds like anxiety. That's it. Yeah. But they had a very real fear, right? Would you say that, and let's be honest, right now, if you were to go and declare the gospel that you think you would be beheaded? The answer is no. <laughs> okay. So our, our hindrance is, is rooted in anxiety, not necessarily fear. And now don't get me wrong, anxiety can be very real and, you know, I struggle with it by all means and it can definitely feel very real. But there's a difference. And I think it's just worth mentioning. And some people would actually even get fired up about things that uh, ultimately would be considered small, maybe don't even necessarily matter. Maybe you get fired up because someone doesn't ever use a turn signal, right? And you can, you know, you get really fired, you get passionate about those kinds of things, right? Or, or maybe even more weird things, like one of my things is how people order tea. That really gets me fired up. When people go, or you'll go to the waitress, right, and she comes and goes, what would you like to drink? And I say, I'd like tea, please. And she asks, sweet or unsweet? There's no such thing as unsweet tea. <laughs> There's no such thing as unsweet tea. You do not take sweet tea to the back and distill it or boil it or something like that and remove sugar. That's not how the process works. There's no such thing. It's tea. That's it. I'm getting packed. Oh, whew. okay. Getting fired up about that. And we're talking about something minor. Oh, thank you. We're talking about something very minor, right? We're talking about tea. And I can get fired up. I can get angry. I can get like, what in the world? This makes no sense to me. But yet we have people that, including myself, that struggle to get fired up, impassioned about something that means eternity. We're not talking about tea. Talking about salvation. Well, let me give another example and then we'll move on. But um, if you buy something off of Amazon and it's like this life changing face lotion, are you going to tell your friends about it? 
or some, some widget and everything that's like, oh man, this, this absolutely changed my life, right? Or, or maybe you have a, re- a favorite restaurant here in town and it's like the best grilled chicken you've ever had, right? And that restaurant owner came up to you and was just like, hey, would you be willing to do a testimonial video? You know, just to tell everybody how much you love this grilled chicken. I'd be like, absolutely, I would. Absolutely. Like, I have a four-year-old that all he wants to eat is peanut butter, and he loves your grilled chicken, right? Stuff like that. Like, I'm a marketer. That kind of stuff is gold, okay? You can get so impassioned because you believe so wholeheartedly that this product changed your life. This grilled chicken is the best thing ever. You believe so heartily about that. So I think it's worth asking the potential Offensive question, do we not declare the gospel because we don't believe it? And I'm going to let us bask in that for a second. <laughs> because I think it's a very serious question we should ask ourselves. Are we unwilling to declare the gospel? Are we unwilling to speak about the gospel because we don't fully believe it? I'm making it uncomfortable on purpose. (laughs) So why is it so hard for us to share personal experiences that we've had with God? If he is truly the best thing that's ever happened to you, why is it so hard for us to be emboldened to speak, to move past our anxieties, the perceived fear of danger, and share? and speak truth. Today we're going to pretty much camp on Acts 4. So if you want to go ahead and turn there. And uh, this is the story of Peter and John. They had just healed a lame man. And uh, they were brought before uh, the Pharisees. And this it's a whole scene. And we're, we're going to read it. I, there's no reason to really give an overview. So we're going to read it here. But specifically verse 13 um, is going to kind of be one of our crux uh, verses. I'm going to read that one specifically right now. <clears throat> Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So we're going to ask ourselves as we're reading this, what, what changed? Because it wasn't but just a short time before this, Peter was cowering in front of a little girl who said, hey, don't you, don't you know that Jesus guy? And he, he was cowering. He was so afraid and he ran because of a perceived danger that maybe he would get crucified or beheaded or something like that. Was it, was it a guarantee that that... No, it wasn't even a guarantee that that's what would have happened to him, right? We don't know that. It was a perceived danger, and it was enough to make him cower and run away. But here we see a very different Peter. What changed? What changed is he was emboldened by the Holy Spirit. That's what changed. His belief changed him. Because when you believe, you receive the Spirit And it's only through the Spirit we are emboldened. That we are able to move past our anxieties through the perceived danger that we have and truly declare. Okay? Let's read the rest of the story. I do have, it's a rather large batch of of Scripture here, but I think we can handle it. Okay? Uh, So this is Acts 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 14. 
Okay, and uh, if you if you would uh, follow, uh, if you got a device, okay, uh, feel free to read if you can you can handle that. But also, if you look um, in front of you, there's racks underneath the chairs, and around there should be some black Bibles, some pew Bibles, and feel free to follow along in that. Uh, again, where you're in Acts four, starting in verse four, and I would just encourage you to open that up and read along. Okay. And as they were speaking to the people. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And they, and they were speaking, they meaning Peter and John, by the way. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. Meaning basically no one was around to, to handle the problem, basically. So it's like, well, we'll just put you in jail for the night. We'll deal with it in the morning. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias the high priest, uh, Caiaphas and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power? Or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning our good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is a salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then read verse 13 again. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. It's a pretty powerful scene. Again, considering who Peter was just a short time before this. And then now we have a Peter like this. <laughs> you know, they're asking, by what power or in what name have you done this? Peter and John are standing before the religious powers of the time, the Pharisee, right? The, the, the high priestly family, standing behind, in front of the bosses, so to speak. And they ask, by what name are you doing this? Knowing very well. But remember, this is the same people that killed that person just a short time before this. It's kind of their way of saying, I dare you to say his name. <laughs> I dare you. And Peter answers it. And he doesn't just answer it. He speaks very boldly. <laughs> he calls him out. Specifically, let's read just a few high points here just real quick. Let it be known to all of you, this is verse 10, and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, just so you understand specifically who I'm talking about, right? 
how many, how many people named Jesus were probably around during this time? A lot, right? It was a fairly common name. But no, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's very specific, <laughs> right? Peter's like, just so there's no error in what you are trying to understand what I'm saying, right? Like, you get it. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Whom you crucified. If you still don't know who I'm talking about, whom you crucified, God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. The same people that murdered the Lord are the same people asking this question. So do you think Peter has a perceived danger right now? <laughs> you could even say that the perceived danger that he's in right now is probably even higher than what it was with the little girl, right? But this time it doesn't stop him. This time he speaks boldly. Did he feel, feel the fear? Yeah, probably. But acting in our fear, that's what courage is. And that's what we see in Peter. And the only thing that changed was the Holy Spirit. So I think with that, I'm going to ask the question again. Do we struggle to speak boldly because maybe we don't believe? The Spirit is given to those who believe in Jesus, who are saved. And maybe that was, that's what God's tugging at your heart this morning. Maybe you're like, you know, I don't, I don't feel the emboldenment of the Spirit. Maybe you've been on the fence for a while. You know, just like every service, we'll, we'll have a time of response and we'll, we'll give you a time to maybe, maybe answer what God is maybe tugging on your heart this morning. But the Spirit is given to those that trust in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.12 We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The words that, Jesus, uh, that Peter spoke here in Acts 4 were not his. <laughs> they weren't his words. They came from God. So sometimes maybe we, we feel like we hinder that. Maybe we're, maybe we're stopping that. Sometimes you just need to listen to a Mercy Me song and say, Lord, say what you need to say. And you just need to take a step back. There's a couple things I want to just kind of point out when it talks when we're talking about being bold. And this is from kind of the scripture. Boldness is our decoration and mission. It gives us our purpose. And from the story of Peter and John, like I said, there are just a couple things here. Uh, number one, just be bold because the resurrection is true. That's what Peter kind of stood on here, right? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because of that power, because of the Holy Spirit, let it be known to all of you 
and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. That's how these things are happening. Peter is emboldened because although Christ had been murdered, God raised Jesus from the dead. Likewise, for us, his followers, death will not be the end. Death will not be the end. The good shepherd, Jesus, in John 10 tells us that we will live a life and live it abundantly. Meaning a life that never ends, eternal life with him. So we speak boldly because we know we have eternity with him. That's where our boldness comes from. Next is we want to be bold out of the love for our neighbor. Peter's claim in verse 12, and well, let's read that again, is implicit invitation to trust in the name of Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's an invitation. And Peter wants to see even the Pharisees to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Or else, why else proclaim that? It's like, there is no other name. There is no other name. It is only through Jesus that we can be saved. So how does our love compel us to reach out to our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, those ones that we feel that are on the outside, that we feel like they would never have a chance to reach out to them and say, Jesus is the only way. Because we want to see you a million years from now. <laughs> because we love you. There's a couple of verses here. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Meaning, if you have faith in Jesus and you now have that abundant life, that eternal life, you're not abiding in death. That eternal life means you're abiding in love. More to that to come. <laughs> we'll be unpacking that a lot more whenever we start the Gospel of John. But... But out of our love for our neighbor, because we want to see them come to faith in Jesus, we reach out. Love calls us to take risks and to seek the well-being of others, even if it requires suffering on our part. Love does not consider a glory of self. Because love is commitment and sacrifice. So you may have a perceived danger of proclaiming or asking someone to come to faith or talk to them about Jesus. But don't you feel like that's something worth suffering over? If it could potentially mean that they would come to faith. There is no greater purpose than to know Christ, to serve him, and to tell others about him. And there was no one else that truly understood that more than the Apostle Paul. And uh, this is how we're going to kind of land the ship this morning. And we're going to go over to Philippians 3. I'm going to read Philippians 3, verses 8 through 10. And this is what Paul kind of had to say about this, this purpose that we're talking about. Philippians 3, verse 8 through 10. 
Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that deepens our faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Let's skip down to verse 14 real quick. Um, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is so much to be unpacked. And basically, little, actually, Philippians in general, but Philippians 3 right here, there's a lot. So much. But to focus specifically on this verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. Paul looked at everything he went through. I don't, I don't know if you know, what he, when he talks about the prize of the upward call, I don't, I don't know if you know much about Paul's ministry, but it wasn't exactly comfortable, <laughs> right? He was beaten. He was thrown in prison multiple times, starved. And he looked at that as his prize. He looked at that as his prize. Look at the life of the disciples, how most of them ended except for John. They all ended very horrifically. And this isn't like me trying to scare you. It's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not into this whole like church thing. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to scare you away. I'm just trying to make the point that there is a boldness that is needed because no, there's not necessarily a danger, but there could be suffering. That's why we have to root everything we do in the gospel to have that emboldened spirit within us to endure. Now granted, Paul's suffering and our suffering here in Western America is going to look very different. (laughs) But I think we have this perception that I don't want to go through this suffering, (laughs) whatever it may be. Maybe it's offending someone or they're going to be mad at us or whatever. But I think the message here is the upward call, the prize of the upward call of following God is worth far more than any perceived anxiety you may have. Because you never know. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to have the chance to talk to. I want to end with this short little story and uh, go ahead and have Nathan come on up. Back when we were still on the road, I'm just going to move this out over here out of the way. When we were still on the road, um, we had just got done with a mission trip at a youth camp in southern Missouri. And on our way back, we, we stopped in an RV park just because I didn't want to drive all the way. <laughs> um, but we stopped and we parked next to this guy that at first it was a little off-putting, just what he was. He was a traveling welder is actually what he was. And we I had some anxiety. We'll say that. We'll use that term. Uh, we had our kids with us, everything. He was just just the kind of perception he was giving us, right? There was There was anxiety there. But Sarah and I both were just like, well, he's going to be our neighbor for the next couple of days. We might as well, you know, see how he is. So we went over there and just started, con- I went over there and started a conversation with him. And um, he was, it turned out to be a really, really great guy. 
And I told him like what we were doing and uh, he goes, oh, great, great. You know, that, that's a really great thing that you're doing. And I had a chance to actually share the gospel with him and which was really great. We prayed and that was really great too. And then he surprised me and he said a phrase that I will never forget. And it was a couple days later when we were pulling out, we were going to leave. He was still there. He was going to be there for like two more months at this RV park. And he goes, Hey, I just want to say I really appreciated you, you praying with me and everything. I was just like, I, that doesn't happen very often. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. He goes, hey, I wanted to let you know something. He goes, whenever you guys are going down the road, make sure you keep your, your uh, grill pointed towards the sun. And he goes, S-O-N. And I was like, how cool, <laughs> you know? And just, I don't know, it's just you never know who you're going to meet. So you never know how your anxiety, how your perception of people are holding you back from praying with them and sharing the gospel. Because we had that interaction with this guy, like I got this, this phrase that's like, I never forget, you know? It's like, it's kind of a rule of life. It's like, just keep yourself pointed towards the sun. You know? So as Nathan leads us in response, I just want to remind you that if you are struggling with believing the gospel and you feel like that's holding you back, it's like, man, there's just parts of this. I, I just don't know if I'm there. If you feel the spirits may be pulling you, like maybe you need to give yourself over to him. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ this morning. Or maybe you just simply need to grab that piece of paper and say a prayer saying, Lord, give me someone to share this with. And that's not a exhaustive list of what you can do in response. <laughs> but just a few ideas on how you could. So, as Nathan leads us, would you consider those things? Worship with us.